Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. So what do you want to talk about? What do you want to focus on in closure? We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear if you're feeling stuck or something you've always been curious about or something you're interested in learning more about. Let us know. Yeah, if you want to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear. Send us a tweet at Closure Design on Twitter. Email us at feedback at closuredesign.club or hop into the Closure Design dash podcast channel on the Closure in Slack and we'll chat with you there. So this week, Nate, we are diving back into our web series, but it's almost like a sub-series of our web series, right? We're talking about <laughs> web sockets. Yeah, it's almost like we are taking a regular series and upgrading it somehow. It's like a fractal, you know? It's so complex that when you zoom in on a little tiny part, you realize that that little tiny part is also extremely complex <laughs> and worth its welcome own. Welcome to the web. Yes, welcome to the web. Welcome to programming, where you will dive into rabbit holes on a regular basis and lose hours and hours of your time, but still love your work. <laughs> right, because once you get it working, the world is good. <laughs> yes, programming is awesome. And so WebSockets, so we're taught, we started last week talking about WebSockets and just... Just there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different choices to try to get your data from the server back to the client asynchronously. If if the of course if the client wants to know something, you always just reach out and talk to the server and ask it, and the server can give it an answer. But if you want if you want to spontaneously notify the client of something, well, you need some kind of a synchronous mechanism. And so we went through a couple alternatives, but we decided to settle on WebSockets for sending some notifications to the client browser. Yeah, and we also um, talked a lot about the, the different uh, libraries that are out there that kind of help us, you know, man manage WebSockets, you know, uh, from from things that just do barely anything uh, to, to ones that uh, hide it behind a layer uh, so you don't have to worry about um, even the upgrade or anything like that that has to happen. Um, but then we settled on uh, the, the one we're most familiar with, which is ALEF um, or LF, you know, however you pronounce it. Thank you, Zach Tellman. Um, we, we've had a lot of success using ALEF to, um, to manage our sockets and, um, and, and, and pass data back down to the clients. So... Yeah, ALIF is pretty true to like the underlying WebSocket abstraction for the most part. It is built together with Manifold for handling streams. So it has this common abstractions for data streams. And so it plays nicely with that. So Manifold and streams and deferreds. So, so there's definitely some concepts that are very specific to ALIF. But in practice... We haven't found that those to be much of an obstacle, um, but so so we're gonna use ALEF as our working example in this case. As we mentioned before, though, the new version of JDK has um, HTTP client built into it, and there's a, a neat wrapper around that. Um, so that might be the future, but but ALEF is our is our workhorse in the in the meantime. Is <laughs> the horse we, we we like to ride in the in the yeah, right now? Um, so. 
For sure. What 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 we were kind of talking about a little bit uh, last time, kind of uh, we should expand it a little bit is um, we we were using as a as kind of a, a the problem example to to talk through is uh, you know we wanted to make a website where we can post our post closure idioms you know uh, we don't closure idioms don't have enough social networking around them so we decided that 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 gap must be filled and um, and so when you, when you post an idiom what's the thing that you want to know most about you want to know if people are commenting on it or or liking it, you know, you, you want to know immediately in your web browser, um, the instant that they've, <laughs> that they've chosen to take notice of your, your brilliant co- closure idiom. Right. Why should you have to keep all of your brilliant code to yourself? You shouldn't. You should share your brilliant code with the world so they can all marvel in its wonder too. And how do you know they're marveling? Well, you need some notifications. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and so so this week let's let's get into the weeds a little. Let's talk about how to actually make this happen with WebSockets. And I guess maybe the first place to start is how does the server know when to send a notification? Right? Like when when something is happening. Well, well, so as a as a as a person acting on the website, um, you know, I, I go and I see, I, I, I look at there and, hey, the, you've posted an idiom, and I click the button next to it that says like. So there's there's a, a request that goes to the server, you know, a post request probably, and it says, you know, Nate user ID 50 likes Christoph user ID 49's uh, idiom. So... So right then, sure. right then, there's 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 a, there's a request handler. We have, we have code running on the server that knows who has liked and who needs to know, and uh, so we just need to be able to, to tell Kristoff about that. That's oh right, <laughs> yeah. So when we actually record the right record the like, write that down, then that code can do something to trigger a notification. Right then, when the like happens, right. So record the like trigger the notification in the request handler. Yeah. So, okay, well, then that notification, I, I mean, it, it gets back to, it gets back to the client via a WebSocket. So that handler is going to need some way of, of like queuing that notification or sending that notification back to the other. So, so let's make it concrete. So who wrote the idiom, Christoph or Nate? I, I don't remember. What did you, you say? Okay. So I wrote the idiom, and then you you clicked like on it. So so there has to be a WebSocket for my browser back to the server, and that WebSocket's going to get the notification on it. And so the request handler that handles your like is going to somehow need to be able to write to... Or, or or hand information off to a thing that can write to the WebSocket connected to my browser to to push that notification down, right? Right. So it needs to basically be able to to reach out in 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 memory somewhere because I mean like, maybe we should talk through how your how your WebSocket actually gets there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's got to reach out somewhere. True. Well, well, let's. Where, where, right. How does it even get there? Yeah, because I guess so. Since these things are just sitting around, 
right? You have these open resources that are sitting around in memory. Not like you can, you know, write one end of the WebSocket off to a database to remember it. And then <laughs> <laughs> that would be a really fancy database if it could reconstitute uh, um, network sockets. Yes. That's, that's fancy. Right, right. Yeah, let's you know just serialize a WebSocket handle to an S3 bucket and then you can deserialize it in your stateless microservice somewhere else. <laughs> the the okay. sentence you just said sounds like something they would say in a movie. It would make all the programmers in the audience roll their eyes simultaneously. Oh, oh I, I thought you were going to say the sentence I just said sounds like a sentence that uh, was said in a client meeting a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is also true. Very true, sadly. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so we have to have these WebSocket handles sitting around like the open WebSocket handles and and they have to be sitting around in memory in a way where we know where they came from so we know where they're going <laughs> so yeah so what is the process for connecting a WebSocket? well so i mean that, that really is a question right yeah so like like your 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 web browser um needs to connect and we need to on the server convert that connection into a WebSocket so that we can actually even be able to share it with the request that I made. And um, right. So HTTP requests are not, are not, don't stay open indefinitely and are not bi-directional in the sense that either side can initiate by default. And so the WebSocket standard added this header that you send that s upgrades the connection. So both sides know, oh, you should now change you should now change the semantics of the interaction right you should change the behavior between the client and the server to keep the sucker open and either side could send data at any time <laughs> so yes. that's called upgrading the connection upgrading the connection right so so the, so the websocket request starts off as a as a as a lowly get request a common get request that would be would be would yes. be stateless and would end very soon but but we we call something on it the, uh i believe alef's alef's function for that is websocket connection um and and it takes a right. a a request and upgrades it. it it somehow reaches down into the bowels of of netty and and, and 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 twiddles bits and such that that the, the client now knows that it is a bi-directional stream and it is now precious it must be cared for <laughs> in a different way you cannot just let it die right and so alef can do this because we're we're using the alef ring server right so we're using like the alef like alef is ring compatible mm, right. and so in order to use alef ALEF WebSockets on the server side, you need to be running ALEF's HTTP server also, right? Because it has to handle both of those layers. And so even though it's a, a standard ring request, right? It, it's, it looks like ring kind of at the handler level. Uh, when you take that request and you, you hand it to the WebSocket-connection function that ALEF exposes... Like it needs to also be alef underneath the hood too in order to work. Yeah, because it's going to call special functions on that stuff, uh, on 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 the actual you know underlying. It's interesting. Like on both sides of the ring spec, is there special knowledge? But in the middle, the, the ring spec lets the the lets the request fly through um, just fine. The standard way. Right. So that was one of the things that tripped me up the first time, is just because. 
Yeah, it, Ring gives you this nice abstraction, and you're working on that nice abstraction layer, but and you have this request, but then you have to hand it to the ALF function, which then has that special knowledge that ALF is on the other side of Ring too. So it's so it's it's playing on both sides there, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so so all right, so on the server side, uh, your GET request has turned into a WebSocket connection. Um. But but it's well, not sort of yeah. It, maybe it turned maybe it turned into a WebSocket connection. Oh, <laughs> so when you when you try to upgrade it, it may not be able to get upgraded. Right, that operation may fail, or it may succeed. And so ALF exposes this as what it calls a deferred, and a deferred is kind of like a promise, except in closure the closure promises. You can deliver a result to them, but Clojure has no opinion on what that result looks like. It might be an exception, like you deliver an exception value to it or an error or or whatever, right? It, but a deferred is like a promise, except it does have an opinion. There's success values and there's error values. And so you can ask the deferred if it succeeded or failed. Like, is it resolved? And if it is resolved, did it su- succeed or fail? It gives because you, uh, the upgrade may fail. Right. It gives you a little more uh, mechanics around being able to decide whether that is or not, you know. Because the thing is, when, even when you deliver a exception to a promise, the promise doesn't throw it. You have to, like, test that value if it comes out to see if it is an exception, like instance of exception. Um, so it's, it's you can't just do, like, the standard catch as you would another way. So, so the deferred kind of gives you a little bit more a little more power around the success or failure of that operation. Right. And so the deferred by default, if you use closures, deref function operator, the at, the at symbol, <laughs> it will, th- if, if an error was produced by that operation, it throws it for you. And if a success was produced by that operation, then it returns that value. Right. So, so you call WebSocket connection with request and you deref that, and either you have now thrown an exception and and you're off on that th- flow of control, or you actually have a WebSocket reference back now that you can do something with. Oh, yes. So now we finally have our WebSocket connection. <laughs> we finally have something we right. can tell Christoph about, or tell Christoph with. Yes. <laughs> I guess. After, after jumping through our secret arcane process of the special get request followed by the special knowledge, <laughs> we have a WebSocket connection. And, and so there's, my... there's a couple things that we have to do with it, right? Oh, a little bit of accounting. Oh, I forgot. I was all excited. I thought we, we, could, we could talk about how my request can get access to your WebSocket, but I guess we got to do a little more, a little more preparation, huh? Yeah, definitely. So, so now that the WebSocket is open, you have to figure out two things. You have to figure out who's going to handle it closing and, and what to do with every message that comes in, right? So both of those things. And so often what we do is we add a on-close handler immediately. So as soon as you open it, the next thing you do is add an on-close handler. And that will go ahead and it will log out some information when the WebSocket closes, right? Yeah, so you know... In this when, case, I don't, I don't know if we need to do anything else other than that. Just just note it. Yeah, we want to know when people stop, when people leave. 
<laughs> at least from a logging point of view, right? Right. But if there was like resources, something you had to clean up, well, then you'd have to figure out like who is going to, which callback is going to receive that on close message because that callback should have access to those resources. Right. 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 Uh, yeah. And so after we do that, we also need to um, say when basically whenever a message comes in on that WebSocket, like it whenever whenever because sockets are bidirectional, so we're only talking really about sending things down the down, <laughs> so to speak, down the pipe. But there is definitely a possibility where things might come up the pipe too, and you have to be able to handle them. And uh, and so there's another function you call that allows you to add a handler for when WebSocket con- uh, messages come in. And I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, but- it's probably worth noting that ALF is is callback based. Right, so so you register an on closed handler, so that's a function that it will be called when that WebSocket is closed, and then it also has this stream, well, this consume function that's part of the the streams framework. So so you you import the stream uh, framework that's part of Manifold and ALF and all that. And then you give it a function to get called every time a new message shows up on the WebSocket. And and then that function should have access to whatever resources it needs. So so you can either do that right there in your your handler, or you can pass a WebSocket off to some other bit of code that that is in the right scope. And then it can register its callbacks, which which will be closures, right? Like closure with the S <laughs> that bind over the resources that it that it needs to have available to it when it gets called. Right, right. Like if you want to build right to a database, it's got to close over that. You know, any yeah, basically any resource there has to be you know either partialed in or or referenced in a, in a function literal. Right. So I think for simplicity at least in this first version here, like to just get this going, our on-closed handler will just log out, hey, the WebSocket was closed. And then like our consume, like our message showed up handler, right, the consume handler, that should just log out, client sent us a message for no particular reason and here's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we need to actually handle any messages from the client yet, right? Right, the client was overly ambitious and decided to... To tell us something, it surprised us. Yeah, and it makes it simple. We can just put those handlers with some logging, um, and and not have to deal with that resource problem yet, right? Right. Okay. So now we're at the exciting point where we have we have we have two sides of our mountain that we're climbing up. You know, my side. I've got the request. I've written it down in the database, and I'm ready to send the notification. And and on your side of the mountain, you have you, the WebSocket is all set up and everything. It's ready for that notification to be sent down. We just have to clear the peak, right? And <laughs> yes, and both both sides of the mountain are trapped in their own request handlers, right? So we're still in this request handler that we right this we entered right when, when yeah. And so somehow we need to get this WebSocket in a place in memory. So that the the action oriented request handler, like when you take an action, you like something or comment, can it can 
it can look this WebSocket up and and put some data on it. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> if only needed, there, right? if only there was some in-memory database that didn't serialize things to disk. Uh, so it, <laughs> we could transact data right. into. If only, right, if only we had some kind of like shared uh, memory <laughs> structure enclosure that we could atomically swap values on to and get them out and <laughs> deref. Yeah. Oh, so, wait, we do. So, so we do. <laughs> well, so if we have an atom, if we have a reference to an atom, then what we can do is then when that WebSocket gets set up, we can go ahead and we can swap it in to, uh, like, let's just say we have a map. Let's just say the contents of the atom are a map where you have, just to keep it simple, the user ID is a key, and then the WebSocket as value. So this is very simple. Assuming you only have one tab open, your, your, your last tab replaces your new tab, <laughs> blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's, let's just keep it We're simple, right? Because you only a new version of, open one tab at a right. time, right? No, it's a new Nate. version of Chrome. Yeah. It's for focusing. It only has one tab. Right, right. So, so just to keep it simple and get this uh, uh, plumbed through, we'll have that. Well, then, Nate, like, how do we get a reference to that atom, though? Like, where... where <laughs> what we did is we just replaced one problem with another. We need we need <laughs> the WebSocket to be available. And it's like, oh, well, we'll put it inside an atom. But now, how is that atom available? Uh, well, I think I think we can just use a def once. We, we've talked about def once many, many episodes in the past. Uh, but basically, it's like a, a, a reference to a variable that's in, in the namespace itself. So in our web namespace, we can just have a def once, you know, um, connections and it's just an atom that has a map in it, you know. And then, well, okay, it could be a def or a def once, right? Because it really has to do with whether or not you're doing REPL driven development. Oh, def right, once, right? Like in production, def versus def once doesn't really matter because it's going to get defed once. <laughs> <laughs> only, you only you only load once, yes. Right. I guess you know, unless you're running a REPL in production, different topic, different day. But yes, so, but if we do a def once in our code for a REPL driven development, it's not going to wipe out every time we reload that namespace, it's not going to wipe out that definition. So it allows us to, to have that, um, that value visible, um, and, and retain persistent state across, um, reloads. Right. So, okay. Yeah. That's one way. So we can scope, we can scope that atom to the namespace that has all the handlers in it, right? Because this is just all handler. I was I was thinking we could we could even make a component for it if we wanted to. That sounds like a a topic for maybe a future week. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely in our our web of complexity. But yes, a, a def defing the atom to expose it so all the handlers can see it, and now what they can do is then they can deref the atom and then look up the user ID for the WebSocket they need, right? Right, because the, the request that comes in that needs the notification, it knows, like, for instance, if I'm, I'm liking your, your, um, your uh, idiom, then I know that the web request at that point in time knows your, your user ID, and so it can just deref the atom, grab your WebSocket, if there is one, like if you're not connected at the time, then you will not hear <laughs> you will not hear the notification. But if you are, then there will be a WebSocket there, and and it can just then 
uh, send a message on that socket and you will get it. Oh, I just think you found a use for the on-close handler. Oh, yes. Because uh, if you're Clean not up. connected at the time, right? So so the on-close handler should be able to see that atom too. And so probably it needs to it needs to close over the user ID that was present when the WebSocket was set up. So it can go and it can um, do a swap dis- disosh on that to, to go ahead and remove your WebSocket out when it gets closed, right? Yeah, that's actually a, a really good use of the close handler. Because um, then we can ensure that everything in our atom only is web so- we- like is valid websockets, the ones that are actually connected. Then no 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 zombies are are allowed in this application. Right, and so then in a beautiful code sense, we can make a namespace that has some pure functions for generating the right data structure for the notification. So we just feed it. We just you know call it. Oh, I want to make a. I want to make a like happened notification. So we have a function over there in the notifications namespace called like happened. And then we put the right IDs in it. It gives us the right data structure back, which I guess, oh, we have to settle on another thing. What is the, what is the format of the data on this web socket? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, gosh, I was assuming cause it's the web. It must be Jason, right? That's, that's the lingua, that's the lingua franca of the web, right? Hey, but I think we have closure on both ends. So why not Eden, EDN? Ooh, that's interesting. In this case. Yeah, that's, that's, that's totally valid. I, you know, as long as we don't like performance. <laughs> <laughs> this would probably be a good, a good time to plug our uh, episode that's talking about serialization <laughs> and saving your program from serialization how to not get totally uh, i don't know hurt by your serialization to not get library wedged. yeah yeah definitely we'll link to that in the show notes okay so let's let's just say we're going to use eden because eden is wonderful we keep it all at the closure data structure level so then we're going to need a function that generates the notification and then a function built into closure, of course, that serializes that data structure to Eden. And then we write that to the WebSocket. And then that that handler that registers the like can be done. It can return, right? Yeah. And it, and it should be able to be performant enough, you know, writing it down to the database, looking it up, looking up a value out of memory and, and sending a WebSocket, WebSocket message. Those are all relatively fast operations. And so my, my, my like button click you know, will 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 return in a, in a reasonable amount of time because it doesn't have to wait till your your web browser handles the WebSocket message or or anything else. It just it can just fire and forget. Right. There is definitely some buffering that happens. So, but it does it does bring up some interesting questions on on um, organizing the program and what if it blocks and. And boy, there it just seems like there might be even more to explore on this topic. Yes. But not now. Let's let's defer that till the next episode. <laughs> That's right. I'm and pretty then, sure and that will resolve be, those issues. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it will be a successful <laughs> DREF on that one. Yeah. But we might run into some exceptions. Oh man. All right, that's it. <clears throat> Uh, if you out there have done any WebSocket programming um, and you or you haven't, uh, please let us know if you have any questions about this episode. We, 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 we love exploring this, this topic, and uh, so we want to hear from you.
And the way we can hear from you is if you tweet at us at Closure Design, send us an email to feedback at closuredesign.club, or hop into our Closurian Slack podcast channel, which is closuredesign-podcast. Yes, please do. Uh, you can also find other show notes and episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. We'll post this episode and along with the notes and any links to re- episodes we referenced. Uh, please check us out. Definitely. The website is your go-to source for all things related to this podcast. And until then, the website will have to keep you occupied until we're back in another week for another problem in the web of complexity. But for now, thanks for listening. <laughs>